This is a little different Sunday for us. Pastor Jason will not be preaching. Uh, today, Lance Evans is bringing the word. Uh, he is on staff with Athletes in Action, and he has a prop for the service, for his sermon. Um, he serves athletes, and I'll make sure I get the list right, at Northwestern, DePaul, Loyola, and Roosevelt Universities. He grew up in Long Beach. He went to another Big Ten institution. You can ask him about that later. But the biggest thing is Lance loves Jesus, and he wants others to love Jesus as well. So bring the word, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, just kudos to uh, Pastor John and Jason for even letting me preach. Um, been here for about a year, um, so this, this is my home. Um, but I know me don't know who I am, and that's okay. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to be one of you um, and, and in front of you. Um, and so... With that, also, just want to thank my grandmother, who came from the south side of Chicago. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And I know my, my mom is, is watching online from, from Long Beach. So I love you, Mom. Um, that's, that's your shout-out for today. Um, yeah, and so, as many of you know, um, there's an upcoming election. Um, and, and I am no different than many other Christians. I'm like, I'm, I'm wrestling with this idea of who to pick, who to choose. Um, there's kind of this growing thinking that there's, there's two bad candidates. Um, and so there's a, a movement growing like, hey, should we vote at all as Christians? Or maybe we should just, just write in somebody, someone like, like Moses or, or Jesus or whoever else we, we think is holy. Um, and so this, this morning, I'm not going to talk politics, but, but it did get me thinking, like, do I have a fear of voting? Or, or more specifically, do I have a fear of who will be our next president? And if so, what's that called? And anyone who knows me, I love to play games. And we're going to do a, a quick little game um, called Name That Phobia. And so I need some, some crowd participation on some of these. Um, and, and if you have it, just go ahead and yell it out. It's okay. Uh, I'll throw out a, a, an easy one. Arachnophobia. Spiders, okay. Plus one. How about this one? Globophobia. Balloons. There we go. Put the team on your back. Potophobia. Mm. The fear of feet. Cyberphobia. Oh, I hear some murmurs. Technology, that's, that's a close one. The fear of food. Pognophobia. Ah, I heard it. Fear of beards. Oh, man. That's plus two. There you go. And so maybe some of those sound extreme, and you feel like, I've definitely never had a fear of that. But how about these? Monophobia. The fear of being alone. 
our copyophobia, the fear of failure, anthrophobia, the fear of people, or the fear of man, thanatopia, the fear of death. And for me, this one definitely hit home, gamophobia. Not what it sounds like. The fear of commitment. Or for me, the fear of responsibility. How about this one? Fomophobia. <laughs> fear of phobias. That was that's a good one. That one's actually made up. <laughs> But FOMO, as you know it, fear of missing out is real. And it's so real that even though it doesn't exist, someone made it up. It's not even in the dictionary. But I did find what I was looking for in regards to the, the whole politics thing. It's called xenophobia. Xenophobia. The fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. So this, this morning, we're going to dive headfirst into fears. So please pray with me. Jesus, you, um, you care for us so deeply. Um, I think about your teachings. Um, you talk about the, even the numbers on our hair are counted. God, that if a sparrow falls from um, the sky, it's not by chance, but it's by your Father's will. And God, as we, uh, we talk about fear this morning, I pray you would search our hearts you would um, continue to communicate with the monologue that's going on in our own heads as I talk. Would you use your word to speak to our hearts, to change us and to transform us with this everyday issue? Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You ever get that question, like, who you'll be excited to see in heaven when you, when you get there? Everybody, like, besides Jesus? You ever get that question? Cool. I guess I'm the only one. It's totally fine. And like you have probably your, your usual suspects, your, your Pauls, your, your Davids, um, your Ruths, your Esthers. Um, and like all those people are, are great. Like when I get there, definitely dabbing up somebody, giving some hugs, all of them. But then I, I think about someone like, like David, and I'm like, oh, I don't even know if I can really identify with you. Like, I've never killed a thousand men. Like, let alone even, I, I don't even think I've gotten in a fight, to be honest. And so, the guy I can't wait to meet, though, however, can I get a drum roll, please? Thank you. Jonah. That's probably the, the response I thought I would get. <laughs> And the reason why I can't wait to meet Jonah is because I feel like he's just like me. We experience the, the same things. And so we're going we're gonna to probably just recall a lot of stories where, where we were scared. If you don't know about Jonah, Jonah is a prophet of the Lord, 
um, who is known for running. He was called to, to preach the gospel to those who need it, and he absolutely refused. And then he turned back to God, and he finally does what, what God commands him. And then when God brings salvation to a certain people, he gets mad. And at first I was like, man, Jonah's kind of harsh. But then the Lord brought this question. What if, what if God saved Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Would I be mad? And I was like, ah, oh, that one stung just a little bit. Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But this is why I can, I can relate with this brother right here. And so we're going to be in Jonah. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and find Jonah right behind the big homie Obadiah. Feel free to look on. We'll be in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And I said earlier that, that Jonah is a prophet of the Lord. Biblically, he would be considered one of the, the minor prophets. And, and Jonah is an interesting guy. He actually prophesied during the time when Israel was prosperous. He was prophesying under King Jeroboam II, who was an evil king, by the way. And Israel at this time is expanding. You can read about that in, in 2 Kings chapter 14. And so this is kind of a, a rare time of peace for Israel. And then in verse 2, it, it talks about Nineveh, the great city. So just to give a, a, a little picture of what Nineveh was like, it was, it was the capital, the great capital of Assyria, which at the time was like the mega power of the world. And at one point, this Nineveh was the largest city in the world. About 120,000 people, if you go and look in Jonah chapter 4. But historical evidence corroborates with that as well. And just to, to put into that perspective, because I know 120,000 people doesn't sound like a lot. But if we had to talk about that in today's terms, what we would be talking about would be a great city that, that led the way in wealth, in the arts, in technology. And so something like New York City, that's home to about 17.8 million people. That's who Jonah is going to. That many people, that great city. And not just some great large city. Look back at verse 2. 
and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So this isn't just a a tribe of happy-go-lucky people. Depending on who you are, like myself, I'm from Long Beach, California, and where I'm from, there's a huge gang infestation. I had two choices growing up. I could either be an athlete or I can be in a gang. It was literally that simple. All my friends either did both or one or the other. And so for me, I, I, I get this picture in my head. I'm like, man, what if God called me to the biggest hood meeting where this a hood meeting is where like all the gangs get together and meet? Like, what if all the bloods and crips in the world met in one city and God was like, hey, you got to go tell them to repent. Whoa. <laughs> it's funny. And for some of us, think about if there were 17.8 million two-year-olds and God was like, hey, you need to talk to them. I'm shaking in my boots right now thinking about something like that. And let's look at, at what Jonah did, his response to that. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And so, like, clearly, Jonah is, is disobeying God's call on his life, which we could probably all agree that that's probably wrong for a prophet of God. And, but here's the thing. His, his act of, of disobedience is just the surface. The root issue is his fear. Think about it. Verse 1, he's in a comfortable city. Israel's prospering. There's no war right now. God is calling him to leave the comforts of his home to go to an evil people. Verse 2, it's not just calling you to your neighbor's house and telling your neighbor to repent, even though for some of us that's probably fearful just as much. But he's telling him to go to an entire city, the greatest city at the time. Their evil has reached me. I need you to speak a word of salvation. And then verse 3. Probably if you, if you told a, a bunch of evil people to, to repent and turn back to the Lord, they probably wouldn't be too happy. So I can imagine that he feared for his own life. I could imagine running away from hundreds of thousands of people And, and just to be clear, as we're, as we're going forward, when, when we're discussing fear, I'm talking about this, this biblical fear, the very fear in which the Lord commanded us a hundred plus times not to be afraid of. So the, the fear that we're, that we're using here is, is not, the, not the verb usage of the word fear. So like not scared of a, of a spider or, or the emotion you feel when, when danger is present. Don't get me wrong. That's definitely there. But there's a heightened version of fear 
more so in, in, in the noun version of fear. And the noun usage of it is respect or wonder for something very powerful. So in, in Jonah's case, we can either let the fear of fill in the blank, have our respect and wonder and amazement, or we can let the fear of God have our respect and wonder. And in these three verses, they kind of set the tone for two forms of biblical fear. One being obedient fear, and the other disobedient fear. Two forms, obedient fear and disobedient fear. And so obedient fear leads us to pursue what God or what pleases God, and disobedient fear leads us to pursue our own pleasure. Obedient fear glorifies God. Disobedient fear glorifies self. And so in that first portion, just wanted to answer that question, what does fear look like? It either looks like obedient fear or disobedient fear. And that brings us to our, our second question. How do we know when we're operating in disobedient fear? How do we know when we're operating in disobedient fear? Let's look back at the text. Back in verse 3, and in verse 3, we, we, we see a couple of these signs. There's going to be a total of, of five signs or indicators that we're operating in disobedient fear. Back in verse 3, in the beginning it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so, just to give a little a word or a visual diagram. It's my handy-dandy box. I picked it out myself. And so, the first sign or the first indicator that we are um, operating in this disobedient fear would be fleeing. Fleeing. Just like Jonah, we, we flee from the presence of the Lord a good way to know that you're, you're operating in this fear is that you leave the presence of the Lord. What does that look like for us today? That means that you, you probably stop praying. You probably stop reading your Bible. And then you probably stop fellowshipping with other believers. You're fleeing away from the presence of the Lord. Ooh, there we go. So you got one foot in. Look back at verse 3. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. The second indicator is that we go to Tarshish. Probably the question is, where is Tarshish? 
Thanks for asking. Tarshish is in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. Nineveh's that way. Tarshish is that way. God, you're calling me to Nineveh? Nah, I'm going that way. Going to Tarshish, where it's safe. Second. Oh, yeah. There we go. And for myself, I've, I've seen this. So I work with, with athletes, and, and one of the ways that we reach athletes with the gospel, there's kind of this preliminary step. The first step is to talk to the athletic director at whatever athletic um, department. So I go downtown, and I have a meeting. Not an organized meeting, by the way. This is just a meeting with the athletic director. And this place, this athletic department is very small. So literally, the athletic director's office is right here. I'm right here. And I just walk in circles. I know he's in here. He's in here. I'm just walking in circles because I'm nervous and scared to talk to him about what I do for a living. And I would like access to his athletes and coaches. He's the gatekeeper. I need permission from him to talk to coaches and athletes. And so I, I see him leave his office, and I try to, like, go stand next to his office, waiting for him to come back around. And then I th- thought about it for a second. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'll walk around too. And I kind of just follow him. Maybe, maybe you've been kind of in one of those circumstances where you're kind of going the opposite way of where God is calling you to. The end of verse 3 so he paid the fare. Oh, I'll start with, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. If you noticed, the text says he went down twice. What is he doing? What's the third indicator? He's hiding. He's sinking. You're shrinking back when you're operating in this disobedient fear. So if you can imagine with me visually, this hand just went in this box. The third one is that you shrink or that you hide. And usually when you hide, because think about it. So just to give some context, he's on a ship with other people. So he went down to the boat to get away from the presence of the Lord. And then he went down again. Usually when you're hiding, you're in isolation. You're alone to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so the the story continues in Jonah with, with God bringing very strong winds and waves so that everyone besides Jonah is fearing for their life because they felt like they were going to die. Um, and, and out of being afraid, every person calls out to their own God. But nothing changes. So they, they, they cast lots, a.k.a. they gamble, to discern or to tell what was the, the Lord's will. Like, man, who's causing this? Is it one of us? And the lot fell on Jonah. So we, we pick up the story with the crew questioning Jonah. So you can look at verse 8 and 9. That's where we'll be. Verse 8 and 9. Remember, I got 2 and 3 in this box. Verse 8, 
Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. The fourth sign that we're operating in this disobedient fear, deception, deception. Look at what what Jonah said. Who are you? I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Really, Jonah? Do you? Well, the Lord that you fear told you to go to Nineveh. What are you doing on this ship to go to Tarshish? Because Jonah has deceived himself. There's these levels to this fear. There's this fear of whatever you're scared of, whatever the circumstance is, the fear of man, the fear of failure. And then at the same time, there's this fear of God. Like he recognizes that, hey, like I'm a believer in God, but this fear is greater than this fear. But the scary part, he believes it's the opposite. He's deceived. And we can do the same thing in our fear. Fear can deceive us into thinking that we're actually operating in obedient fear. So that's the fourth sign, deception. Next, the the story continues with, with Jonah suggesting that they should throw him off the ship and that everything will be okay They're kind of hesitant at first, but then they pray to God, the God of Jonah, by the way, to receive confirmation on what they should do with Jonah. And we're going to pick it up right there. So you can go down to verse 15, verse 15. So they picked up Jonah. Oh, by the way, I have two hands in here now. I'm sinking, by the way. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the, men, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This brings up our fifth indicator, or our fifth sign that we're operating in disobedient fear. Verse 16 and 17, we see two desires. Verse 16, we see non-believers, Gentiles, pagans, desire to be free. They don't want to stay in this ship. They want to be free. In 17, we already know what Jonah's desire is. He wants to flee the Lord. He wants to flee the, the presence of the Lord, right? And so our, our fifth indicator, it's kind of a scary one, is that at some point, if we continue to operate in this disobedient fear, God gives you over to your desire. He literally gives you over to your desire. Verse 16, 
Then the men feared the Lord. They're in fear. This is real fear. Exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. It brings up a great point. Proper fear leads to proper worship. Proper fear leads to proper worship. And so God gives them their desire. Oh, you throw Jonah off, you'll be okay. They feared the Lord and they were safe. Jonah, on the other hand, he fears the Lord, not in the the obedient way, but in the disobedient way. He's trying to get away from the Lord. And what does the Lord do? He puts him in a fish. And that's what this, this, this box kind of represents. It represents that when we're all, when we're, we're operating in this disobedient fear, we can find ourselves stuck exactly where we want it to be. And so God grants Jonah what he wanted. He wanted to flee. He wanted to hide. He wanted to be isolated. He didn't want to talk to the Lord. He didn't want to pray to the Lord. So he's in the belly of a fish. And for us today, God clearly instructs us on on certain things. So for example, God tells us that we should love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we should love our neighbor like ourselves. the great commandment. And so when we're operating in disobedient fear, we can't do either of those things. Why? Because we're stuck in the belly of fear. Who's our, our Lord and master right now? Fear is not God. And fear, what it does, it traps us. We can't see. We're deceived. We're blind. We've given ourselves to another master. But then God instructs us, right, that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but the power of love and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy one seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, a po- but of power and love and a sound mind. But kind of what we do instead of tapping into this power of the spirit, we tap into fear. God, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of my future. Are you going to take care of me? God, I'm, I'm fearful of will you bring me a spouse? God, I'm, I'm scared if I'm going to get my education, if I'm going to pass these classes. And so fear ultimately brings us to a place of distrust in God. And also what fear does, it says, me, me, me. God, I'm fearful, I'm fearful, I'm fearful, I'm fearful. And when we do that, 
we take our eyes off of God. And when that happens, idols can erect all over the place. Because remember, the goal, the fear of the Lord is obedience. There's obedient fear when you fear the Lord. But these idols, this, this, dis, this disobedient fear has us serving something else and distracted and disobedient from obeying God. And so we know that there's, there's two types of fear. There's this obedient fear. There's this disobedient fear. And we know that we're potentially operating in this. One, when we, we flee God's presence. Two, we run in the op- opposite direction of God's calling. Three, we hide in isolation. Four, we deceive ourselves when we, we say we fear God, but our actions suggest something else. And five, we're, we're handed over to our fears, and they become the Lord of our life. I know someone is probably like, man, I don't want to be controlled by my fear anymore. I feel you. Me too. I'm sick of it too. But the reason why I'm, I'm pressing in on this is because we can't fully overcome disobedient fear until we're fully aware that we're entrapped in it. We can't fully overcome disobedient fear until we're fully aware that we're entrapped in it. So this brings us to our third question. How do we overcome disobedient fear? Let's go back to the text. We're actually going to pick it up in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Verse 1. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, excuse me, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. First step of overcoming this disobedient fear is to pray. It's to talk to God. To not hide from him, but to actually confront him with your fears. So, Lord, I'm talking to you about how I'm scared of commitment. I know you call me to be a leader, but I'm scared. Lord, can you help me? So we want to talk to God about our fears. And, and the cool thing about when you, when you pray, it's funny how humility starts to sink in. When you take your eyes off of you, but on what God wants. And God can work with that, right? James 4, 6. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Prayer can humble us, and God can give grace to us. So Jonah's praying right now. It's the first thing. But guess what? He's still in the fish. 
Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall, then I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closing over me to take my life. The deep surrounding me, weeds were wrapped around my head. At the, at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. So the second thing, how we're going to overcome this disobedient fear, it's going to be through confession and faith. I'm going to read back through those again. Confession, Jonah is saying, I messed up, I'm doing this. And faith is saying, yet, You will do this for me, God. Listen again. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. He's speaking in faith. The waters closing over me to take my life. The deep surrounding me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. I take that allegorically. His fears are crippling him. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Confession and faith. He's still in the fish. Let's go to verse 8. And nine, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What's the third thing? Repentance. Repentance. And repentance is literally the word means to have a change of mind and to completely go in the opposite direction. So no longer am I going to go to Tarsus. Lord, I'm going to go to Nineveh. Repentance here in this case, I'm going to obey what you said. I'm not just going to confess that I'm wrong and pray to you and then just stay. No, I need to have a change of mind. I need to repent. I need to return to God and what he's commanded me to do. Jonah says that he will. But he's still in the fish. He's praying, he's confessing, he's having faith, he's repentive. And then God shows up, verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. God delivers when we pray, confess, have faith, and repent of our fears. And for us and Jonah, like deliverance doesn't mean that there won't be fear anymore. But what it, what it does mean is that I will fear God more. God is back in his rightful place. I still am a little scared, Lord, but I'm looking to you. 
So how do we come overcome disobedient fear together? We pray together to this all-powerful God of the universe. The second thing, we, we humble ourselves through confession. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Together, we confess. James 5, 16 says this, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. If we're going to overcome fears, we got to do it together through prayer, confession. We can be healed. And then we repent. We turn to God. We move from disobedient fear to obedient fear with our actions. So I'm going to end this with, with just a, a challenging thought. I wonder how many of us are sitting in here stuck in the belly of fear. It's okay. I've been there. I'm there at certain times. And so my challenge is like, who do you need to reach out to? Who do you need to confess to? Who do you need to confide in? Maybe you just need to talk to God. And stop running. But then there's another, there's another group of, of people in here that I know that, that necessarily probably don't even believe in God. And, and what, is, what is your situation like? What is your stance right now? Maybe your fear potentially could just be of death and judgment. What happens after I die? And for the good of, of both parties, those who believe in God and those who don't, by God's amazing power, just like Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights, there is a great deliverer who was on the cross, who died for three days, but didn't stay there. He resurrected, breaking the power of sin. And God says, those who trust in him will never be put to shame. And they can receive kind of the ultimate deliverance from fear and death. So to my believers, I just want to leave you with this. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. And to my non-believers, this could be the day where you put your trust in Christ and you can do this. 1 John 4, 17. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Trust in Jesus. Throw yourself onto his love. You can be saved. So let us be a people who together move from disobedient fear to obedient fear. Thank you. Oh, I can pray for us. Got it. Cool. First time. Let me pray for us. Father, God, you have placed your spirit in those who have trusted in Jesus, God, and we no longer have to surrender or to succumb to fear. God, I just confess that too often I myself make 
fear of man and fear of failure, an idol and a God in my life. God, I, I pray for those who are in the audience right now and those who are listening online that have been strangled hold, that, that fear has a stranglehold on them. God, God, would you let us know and let them know that there is power and deliverance in you. God, would we trust you, come to you in hum- humility. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.